This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom and welcome to Practical Spirituality here in Asia Torah, the old city of Jerusalem, overlooking the Western Wall. Well, we are going into Rosh Hashanah, and uh, Rosh Hashanah is going to be a week from today plus you know, a day, and uh, and it is filled with prayers, and that causes a lot of trepidation for people because there's just so many prayers. But if you think about it, there's so many prayers all the time. You know, Jewish people there, we never stop uh, with prayers. We've got lots of prayers. First of all, we have our regular prayers three times a day. But then we have blessings on everything. I already made a blessing on my water, but there will be an after blessing on the water as well. And we just kind of make blessing after blessing after blessing. There's blessings on rainbows. There's blessing on thunder. There's blessing on lightning. There's blessing on, on if you haven't seen the ocean in a month. This blessing on particularly strange people. You know, we never... You know, get good luck getting them to hold still until you open up the, uh, the book to what prayer to say on them. You know, like, oh, there's a strange-looking person. Please hold still. Yeah. Let me look up the blessing. Yeah. So I get to make it once in a while. I know it by heart, by the way. It's worth knowing that one by heart because sometimes they move quickly. So... so it's the word, our Mishanei Habriot, or Mishanei Habriois, if you're Ashkenazi. Everyone practice that one. Mishanei Habriois. Try that. Mishanei Habriois. Like, for example, I saw a midget on, I think you're allowed to say it on a midget anyway, but, I, but this was a midget on full-size legs. Meaning the legs were as long as mine. Legs were as long as mine, and then the, a real midget on the legs. I mean, you ever seen that? No. I have only seen that once. And that was like a full-on blessing. I mean, I could have said Shechiano on that one as well. <laughs> and, and what it means is Mishane Abrios means that God makes many different uh, creations. We're not all the same. And when you see someone really not the same, so then it, it brings a blessing. It's a blessing if you haven't seen a person in a long time. If you haven't seen someone over a year, you make a blessing. Like you, like a friend? Yeah. It would have to be a friend, like a dear friend, a family member. Anyway, so what's this all about? Well, we can trace it all the way back to um, our roots, and our name also um, answers the question, because the name of the Jewish people is, today at least, is Yehudim. Yehudim means uh, Jew. You know, Yehudim becomes, uh, is from the name Yehuda or um, Judah. And, uh, and that's where the Jew comes from. In, in Yiddish, it's Yid. And in English, we call it a Jew. But the word Jew actually comes from the word Yehudi. And, and you know, like, like English, they often turn the Yud into a J. And there are no examples of that. Uh, the Rastafarians call God Jah, right? We, we don't say Hallelujah, right? And uh, but that, that's a that's a J. And there, there's many Judah, Yehuda, you know, and all those different names. Jonathan is really what? Jonathan. Yochanan is John with an H. So so the, you understand those trends? What were you saying? Yosef is Joseph, right? So so the word Yehudi means to give thanks because it's from the word Toda. And in fact, when Leah named her fourth son, she says, because the other three were complaints, she had complaint sons, 
Remember the first son was Reuven, which she was telling Jacob because she was the unloved wife. He wanted Rachel. He wound up with Leah, and she was the unloved wife. And so he said, he said, uh, uh, you know, Reuven means see, Reuven, son. I gave you a son. Like love me. Leah's barren. I'm sorry, Rachel's barren. Look what I'm doing. I, I gave you a kid. See, I gave you a son. Second son, Shimon. Shimon. Simon. Shimon is Shema. What's that mean? Here. Here. You see one's eyes, now it's here's. Here. And what's the word on with an iron? Like ani? Poor. Poor, yeah. Poverty. Here my poverty. I'm an unloved wife. Love me. I'm like, have mercy on your unloved wife. I've given you two sons. Third son, doesn't get better. Third son is Levi. You know what the word Levui means? Melave. What's it mean? Anyone know? Escort. It means an escort. Escort me. Escort me. I'm, I'm, I've given you three sons. Escort me. Don't escort Leah to the uh, ball games. Yeah, Escort me. Sorry, don't escort Rachel to the ball game. Escort me, Leah. And uh, the Medrash says that she anyway had her hands full with Reuben and Shimon, so she hasn't, he has to escort her, because who's going to take Levi if not Yaakov is going to bring Levi. So you understand how sad this is? Anyone getting how sad this is? Can you imagine being named for such a thing? You know, when my first daughter was born, she was born after an unsuccessful pregnancy. And, uh, and the... the uh, when our, so when she was born, we were thinking of a name, and, and we, it was interesting, the Boston Rebbe called us, or I called him, I don't remember, but the, uh, we were speaking to the Boston Rebbe from Boston, Massachusetts, and, and we said that we were thinking of the name Nechama, because it would be a comfort for us, having, you know, had an unsuccessful pregnancy, which for newlyweds is heartbreaking, and and uh, I think it's heartbreaking for anyone, but it was particularly heartbreaking when you, you know, because you're like mourning this dream, you know, it's so exciting. And and, and by the way, I just want to say something about that is that that um, as pre- as ne- pregnancies are always nerve wracking, you know, in general. And and if God forbid the if pregnancy doesn't go, so the couple feels like they're the only ones in the world that this ever happened to, because like you see kids everywhere, and, and you know you're seeing all these kids and everyone has successful pregnancies except for you and who knows if there's something really really wrong and and etc 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 and and like it's it's seriously that first of all pregnancies are scary as they are but but losing one you feel like you're the only ones in the world but i remember um my wife getting visitors who were the visitors the visitors were the were women who the same thing had happened to them they came to comfort her Women who had had unsuccessful pregnancies happen, and and, uh, and guess who those people were? Guess who they were? How are you supposed to know who they were? <laughs> the only hint I gave you was they had unsuccessful pregnancies. You know who they were? Everyone we knew. Everyone we knew. Because we didn't know something, and that is that that. Uh, the statistical probability of that happening when you don't use birth control is high. Not every pregnancy takes. And, uh, and people are planning that their only family planning is to have a big family who are going for pregnancy after pregnancy after pregnancy after pregnancy. 
there's a chance of that, a high chance. And so all the big families that you see, if you ever interview the mother of those families or the father, you will find out that many of them, like you, you see they got 10, 12 kids, you're thinking like they must have only succeeded. I know families with 10, 12 kids who have had five or six miscarriages, and they still have 12 kids. Now, do you think that's any? You think they're consoled? No, there's still, there's still, it's, there's a deep pain there. But it almost doesn't exist. Anyone who's going for multiple kids is going to, you know, there are exceptions. And please God, you, I bless all the women listening to this that you should have successful pregnancies from beginning to end and further. And you should all say amen. And may you all outlast your children's lives. May your may your children out. Sorry. May your all your children outlast your life. Amen. Yeah. May all your children outlast your life. Yes. And the uh, you know the mitzvah of having kids, being fruitful and multiplying, you can't fulfill it unless your kids outlive you. Yeah. Which is a good reason to have a lot of kids. Meaning the minimum amount is the minimum amount is a boy and a girl. That's the minimum amount, and uh, you have to have one boy and one girl, and the and the. But but it's for insurance. It might be worth having lots of kids, you know, just to just to make sure that your kids that your kids outlast you. Um, grandkids count, by the way. Grandkids count. So, so if, if something, God forbid, went wrong, let's say someone had one child who passed away, but that child had kids, and there's a boy and a girl there, so that, that does the trick. Okay, back to our topic. There's lots and lots. Just wanted to give you something to edit. <laughs> Sorry, not, not being serious. So there's... There's, um, there's lots and lots of prayers because the name of the Jewish people is Yehuda. Yehuda means to give thanks. So what does it mean to give thanks? What are you doing when you give thanks? Let's, let's dissect the word. What does it mean to be grateful, to have gratitude? So it's actually quite simple. So let's give an example of... Uh, uh, do you mind handing me this pen, please? What's your name? Yeah, okay. Oh, of all names. <laughs> so, the, I bless you, you don't have Leia syndrome. Yeah. You, know, you know what Leia syndrome is? What? Yeah, to think that you're, uh, to think that, you know, you, that your husband loves, it could be even his career. But you understand, like, like the second fiddle thing, it, it happens to a lot of and nothing to do with your name. I mean, it's just that you understand that you can spend your life kind of feeling like maybe your husband's more interested in other things. You know. Now, um, okay, here we go. You ready, Leah? You're going to hand me that pen as a gift. Even though it's not yours. Okay. And uh, what's your name? Deanne. Deanne. Okay, here we go. Thank you, Deanne. Yeah, I know that was weird. 
but it's just to illustrate the definition of things. What was, why was that a strange thing for me to get a pen from Leigh and thank Dan? Because who was the source of this pen? Leigh or Dan? Leigh was the source of the pen. Dan was not the source of the pen. And so for me to, to give thanks, proper thanks would be to Leah. Thank you, Leah. So proper thanks is to give thanks to the source of that which I received. And so, so the, what is Thanksgiving? A recognition of the source. That's it. Recognition of the source. Of whatever you got. That's Thanksgiving. To recognize the source. Everyone say that. Recognize the source. Let's try that together. Recognize the source. What is that? Thanksgiving. When you give thanks, you're recognizing the source of that which you received. And, and that's really important. And it's also very humbling because it means you're not the source. People who have a lot of gratitude will tend towards humility. They're more humble. Because a lot of people don't want to recognize the source. They, they, a lot of people want to feel they're like self-made and, and not recognize everything they got and who, who built them. You know, they want to feel like you know, it's all them. I love when uh, in the old days uh, I used to watch a program called the Academy Awards. And that's when the most egotistical people in the world receive their reward for um, an award for having made a film or acted in a film or whatever. But these people are like, you know, I mean, you can't imagine what they did to get to where they are. You know, how many people they had to step on and sleep with and God knows what else. And, and they, you know, to get there. And it's all ego. Like, it's only through ego. Anyway, so they get their award and they're like holding their award. You know, it looks something like a bike helmet. And they're holding their award and they're, they stand in front of the microphone and they're like, Meaning the first time. This is if they get their first award. They don't even know what to do. I'd like to thank myself for being so great. You know. So what do they do? They wind up like thinking and thinking and thinking. They have a whole list of people they think. And and it's it's really amazing, but they realize like you gotta say something. And you know you didn't get there on your own. And so they just start thinking away. I'd like to thank the Academy. Like think this one, like think that one, like think that. and you're like, they finally like, you know, they have nothing to say, so they're gonna have to start looking at how they got there. And this is why our thank you to our parents. It's so important to thank your parents. They're your source. They are your source. They're not only this. They're the source of your body, but they're the source of everything that has come out of you, really, and anything you'll ever produce. It's all because of them. It might be also despite them. <laughs> Some people are, some people's parents are great teachers because everything they taught is what you do. Some people, are, some parents are great teachers because everything they taught is you now do the opposite. I mean, they taught you exactly what you should not do, and that's still a teacher. And you gotta thank your parents; they're the source, and it's really important to do that. And by the way, I suggest all of you call your parents today or tomorrow, thank them, especially before Rosh Hashanah creation of the world and we're coming up to the creation of, of the world literally it's the 25th of Elul anyone know where we're at now we're at the 22nd now so in three days that'll be the first day of creation the reason we celebrate the first day of creation really on the on Rosh Hashanah 
is because that was when man was created and that's when time is counted by human beings. There's no time uh, in, the, in the Torah before Adam on the sixth day. There is no count of time. Uh, I mean, God counts time, but it's his perspective as opposed to the sixth day where it's now man's perspective. That's why you'll notice that a day, a lot could happen in a day. <laughs> like, like the whole world can be created on one day. And also you'll notice that the sun doesn't show up till which day? Fourth day. Sun comes in on the fourth day, which is very interesting because then what's a, what's a day without the sun? Is there a day without a sun? For human beings, is there a day without a sun? No. What is a day? A day is the amount of time the earth spins around in its 24-hour spin vis-a-vis the sun. So what's a day? This is why literalists who want to say, like, they want a hold of the six-day creation. Well, you can have a day without a sun because the earth spins around an axis without a sun. So it can't be a year if it's two years in the orbit of the sun. So it means the sun. The earth could spin. I mean, it would be an interesting concept, the earth spinning without a sun. But, but the... Uh, the time has to time's only relative really yeah time doesn't matter an earth spinning is got to be spinning relative to something for it to have relevance yeah nothing's re- nothing in time exists without re- a relative uh, uh, remote view you know there has to be that's why time was never created that's why you'll notice in your own life you've never had one experience of time not since you were born and if you asked me what time it was and I answered, would it really be that time? It would not be that time. It would be, you know, half a second later. There, you've never experienced time, ever. Never. Not once. It was really interesting that we're all so convinced that time exists. Like, normally we're only convinced something exists when, when it's demonstra- demonstrable. I think it's demonstrable, demonstrable. <laughs> anyway, you, you only, uh, we only believe in stuff that like you can demonstrate. Uh, and, but for some reason, everyone's really hooked on this whole time thing. Even though you've never experienced it, you can't demonstrate it. You, know, you can demonstrate it vis-a-vis something else. But other than that, like it itself, you can't. It doesn't because it doesn't exist. It was never created. Doesn't exist in itself, and you've never experienced it. And w- the reason I'm telling you all this is so you have less anxiety. Because uh, w- can you have anxiety if there's no time? Not even possible to have anxiety. Oh, maybe for you. <laughs> I have no time. <laughs> no, that means that would mean sorry. That would mean you'd only have time because there's all that exists. It, it doesn't exist. Time. <laughs> Don't worry about it. But the main thing is that anxiety. There's no anxiety without. You have to have time to have anxiety. You understand? But meanwhile, time doesn't exist. So in other words, you have to get out of reality. Project your mind into all your future responsibilities. And then you can have anxiety. You have to somehow project your imagination to some 
unknown future. And then now you can have anxiety. Sounds like fun? Should we try that? What do you think? Should we, should we get good at that? Some people are excellent at that. They're really good at projecting themselves into the future. <laughs> and then having anxiety over it. Yeah. <laughs> it's another reason to like just stick with like simple. Stay simple. Like, stick with the way God did, did it. God did it. With, God created the world without time. So, so just go with that. And, you know, be, be into the way God makes creation. And then you can relax. He's doing it. And he's good at it, too. Anyone here missed a meal? Um, like, without, not by, I don't mean missed a meal, but anyone here, like, ever went hungry? Never went hungry? I'm not talking about, like, because it was Yom Kippur. I'm talking about, like, you went hungry. No, you mean. Oh, you went hungry once? Yeah. I'm sorry. It's pretty rare to find someone. You know, there's only one person in this class who went hungry. You went hungry once? Oh, gosh. What was it like to go hungry? How long did it last? Till I ate. Till I ate. Not the answer I was looking for. Um, how, what was it like going hungry? <laughs> How long did yours last? Don't say till I eat. Uh, a couple days? No, not that long. <laughs> I don't think you guys understood my question of whoever went hungry. I'm talking about like, dis- like Ethiopian, you know, like distended belly, swollen skull. That never happened to anyone here? Okay, great. So um, raise your hand if you have ever worried about your own survival. Raise your hand if you ever worried about your own survival. It sh- everyone should be raising their hand because that's the nature of the beast. Like You're going to worry about that, which is good because you've got to take care of yourself. And you, if you're not somewhat concerned, you know. So, but you realize how crazy you are. Like you're, you're, that makes you nuts because you'd have to have an experience of going hungry, like the real deal of going hungry. To be worried about, to be worried about that, you have no experience of that. I did for several um, hours because there was no kosher food, so I went hungry for several hours. Uh, uh, it was awful. I'm sorry. Yeah. And then once I got to my destination, I found food that was kosher. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, Thank you. I think we better switch subjects quickly. <laughs> now, anyway, but this is all, we're, we're, we're on the small subject here of us being worried about stuff that never happened. Mm. Are you not going to answer? Anyway. Let's go back to our original topic, which was lots of prayers. So to give thanks means, I'm giving you quite a job today. To give thanks means it's my first day back. I'm a little scatterbrained. You know? Like, uh, you know, I, I don't know where I am right now. You know, what time zone is this? 
So the um, to give thanks means to what? Excellent, excellent. Together, recognize the source. It's to recognize. It's to recognize the source that you're not the source. It's a recognition that you are not the source, and I am now recognizing the source. The word appreciation is the word thanks. So it's putting the you can't put the word in the definition. Understand? We're we're defining the word appreciation here. You know, oh, I'm sorry I didn't park my bike good. Thank you so much. They go off in ten minutes. Thank you. So I I just want to teach you a little uh, a little uh, um, I'm going to teach you a little uh, what do you call it? What is it called when you attack someone without them knowing it? Passive aggressive. Yeah. Uh, there's a, there's a passive aggressive thing you can do with your parents if your parents are like overbearing, and they're you know too much unsolicited advice, and uh, and they're like controlling you, but specifically on the control issue. Because otherwise, you really have to honor them. You can't do passive-aggressive moves. But if they're in the control mode, which is not their mitzvah, meaning their parent, over-controlling parents are ruining their kids, just ruining them. And they'll, they'll have, their kids will have no courage. They'll have no instincts. Like, they really mess them up. So if your parents are controlling, so you can thank them. Remember before we were talking about thanking your parents? So there's a really great way of thanking them. Watch this. See if you get it. Imagine you're talking to your parents. Or the controlling one, you see. Thank you so much for raising me. And thank you for everything you've done for me. Thank you for helping me become a full adult. Thank you for raising me to adulthood such that I can make decisions with confidence. Thank you for raising me. I'm raised now. You're done. You did it. Mazel tov. It's over. Did you recognize anything uh, a little passive-aggressive in that conversation there? But it's it's something worth doing, seriously. It's something worth doing. No, no, I, I was... I really kept going, like... But... But, um, but really giving them a solid congratulations... Like, you did it. You did it. And my, my wife and I do this when we marry off kids. At bar, also at bar mitzvahs. You know, I was all nervous. My first kid's bar, my kid's first bar, my first kid's bar mitzvah. And I met my first kid's bar mitzvah, and I was kind of nervous. Like, everyone's saying mazel tov. Like, mazel tov, mazel tov. Like, what does that even mean? And what's the, why is everyone saying mazel tov? Like, this little bum grew up in my house, like... Like, what's my mazel tov all about? And, and someone came up to me and said, I noticed you're like, you're not receiving the mazel tov the way you should. I'm like, what do you mean? And obviously he must do this at every bar mitzvah. So he comes up to the father. So he explained to me something amazing, and I've been going with it ever since. And that was that you took this little ball of clay. He was once a little green ball of clay. Gumby. And you took this little green ball of clay and created a committed Jew. That's not like to be taken for granted. A lot went into that. A lot goes into these kids. And the fact that you took that little green ball of clay and turned him into a committed Jew is 
congratulatory on the highest but it gets even better if you can actually marry off a child who's now really going independent I mean you're out of the picture if you can get out of the picture such that you're like able to just go to sleep that night and what a that's our favorite night to go to sleep my wife and I you know we just look at each other and just go like she's out you know she's out of the house and like starting her starting her life and, and we did it we did it we created a Jewish home a committed Jewish home and married off to a man who's fully committed Jewishly fully committed to our, our daughter and taking care of her and we did it. And so when people said Mazel Tov to me at my wedding, at my daughter's wedding, I, I just drank it. Just drank it. Yeah. Yeah, that's not to be taken for granted, especially in 2019. You go try to raise Torah committed Jews in 2019, it's like, whoa, you know, not easy. Not easy. You have to have a serious approach to internet. If you want to raise committed Jews, at, at, you know, you know your, your house has to have like have its internet usage very much figured out and, and solid and you know committed because that's your biggest challenge you know, in our generation. Anyway, um, and by the way, my her one of her prerequisites in getting married was he has to be someone without a smartphone and is not planning on getting one. Someone without a smartphone and not planning on getting one. That's for my daughter. Yeah. Doesn't have a smartphone, not planning on getting one. Then then if that's covered, then we can start looking into the person. Who the person is. Yeah. So like they, they they see these holy kids see what's going on. They don't want that going into their homes. Yeah. Why is that huh? Why is that requisite? Why that prerequisite? Yes, you have a smartphone. I think she probably watched how jealous my wife was. <laughs> yeah, trying to get a word in while I'm dealing with like, you know, the hemorrhaging globe everywhere. You know, like. My, I think when you're a kid watching that, you're, you're not thinking so much about how my father's saving the world. You're more watching your mother and seeing her, like, you know, kind of competing with the world. And that world has, since smartphones, has entered our, our homes. You know? you know, it's not at the dinner table, but for many people, it's, it's at the dinner table. It's, it's there, you know, which is the only thing that saved these people is Shabbos. Shabbos. And boy, should, people, you know, the modern Orthodox kids that start texting on Shabbos, like, they should really think twice about that because that's like, that's the last, Shabbos is the last thing you got that you might actually have some normalcy in your relationships. That's, that's all you got. It's the last chance to have a relationship that looks somewhat like the other relationships of the last, you know, 6,000 years. Is, is that you at least have the thing off on Shabbos. Now they might say, well, I'm a teenager, like, what's the big deal, you know? But you don't want to cross that line. 
not only because it's Shabbos, but you don't want to cross that line because it's going to mess you up bad. You're going to, this is going to bite you so badly to not at least have Shabbos off the, off the grid. Um, this was a crazy class. I apologize. Um, I'm sure all my live feed people are happy I'm back, but um, please, God, tomorrow I'll have my act together. Shalom. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.